2023. Here we are. And we have a lovely guest today. We are being joined by Serena Holmes. We're going to learn more about Serena in a little bit. Um, but we want to welcome all of you to uh, Kick-Ass Conversations with Louise and Kim here starting off a brand new year, a brand new month. I don't know. It's like, here we are. I have all sorts of feelings. What are we celebrating this week? <laughs> My friends, what are we celebrating? <laughs> Who wants to go first? <laughs> oh, go ahead, Serena. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I guess for me, um, I am celebrating work-life balance. I sold my business uh, last February, so we're just coming up to a year since all of that kind of happened. And every time I see emails kind of pulling through with quote requests, I'm like, I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> so I think for me, I'm definitely celebrating like a more calm like work-life balance in this past year. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my celebration is a little similar. It's like this, this like kind of a slow ease into 2023, which I can really appreciate because it's like, like we we're talking about, right? Like it's this weird kind of week. Is it a work week? Is it a holiday week? And so just really kind of for me, I'm celebrating like just the that that slowness and not having to like rush into something um, by making a terrible plan or right. It just feels to me a, a little bit more um, s slow. I feel a little laid back to be honest. That you know, I've got time to figure things out. I don't have all the answers. You know, right at the beginning of the year, and so it's okay to to take some time to to think about what it is. And I've spent a lot of time this last week reflecting, which has been really interesting, right? Um, that's what I think a new year is all about is, is not necessarily about where we headed, it's about where we've been, right? And finding those gems and finding those things that are working, finding those things that aren't working, and then um, just taking the time to, to sit with it and say, what am I gonna take forward? Um, and what am I gonna leave behind? I love that. And I love that. So I'm going to share that I'm celebrating much the same thing. Um, we are here um, with two. We have both Mercury and Mars in retrograde. We have um, the lunar yeah, Mercury, right? Tell the, the lunar new year doesn't actually start until January 22nd. So like this energy isn't of just because we changed the Gregorian calendar doesn't mean that our bodies, our minds, our energy is actually ready to step into this new year. And the way the timing was on kind of the break schedules for kiddos and where the holidays all broke into it, um, I kind of felt like for me, well, and I have a major event happening next week. We Our daughter's bat mitzvah is happening next Saturday. So there's like, there's all this energy of, I need to get it done. And then I'm like, no, but I don't, but I don't. <laughs> so like, I'm, but I have time. Exactly. I have time. And that, you know, the universe planets, whatever the it's, I'm being supported by that in that energy of it's okay to slow down mm -hmm. and it's okay to step into this new year at whatever pace is going to be needed. Just because we, again, just the Gregorian calendar got flipped doesn't mean we're like, oh my God, all the goals have to happen right now. <laughs> And if I get one more of those emails, I seriously, I'm going to start responding to them and be like, stop mansplaining what we're supposed to do. I just, yeah. All right. Well, we are so excited, Serena, to have you here. I know we had a chance to chat with you a little bit before we started, but I'm going to um, let people know kind of who you are and then I'll let you share for yourself. So prior to becoming a realtor um, and a real estate investor, correct? 
Okay. Uh, Serena ran her own multi-award winning brand experience agency called Tigris Events for Tigris. close to Tigris. I'm so sorry. Tigris Events. Okay. We'll use, we'll use the, a different accent, but Tigris Events. I'm from the States. I get things wrong. Okay. Um, for close to 18 years. Under her leadership, she grew the agency to 10 full-time staff and over 2,200 part-time staff all across the country, and the country being Canada, which is a really big freaking country for those of us in the United States. <laughs> um, Serena is now a realtor and real estate investor, and in October of 21, she uh, published a book called The Accidental Entrepreneur. Um, it chronicles how she went from a troubled childhood to a self-styled, multifaceted entrepreneurship in the hopes of helping others who may face similar challenges, either personally or professionally. It sounds like a great book, by the way. Um, she is passionate about her family, traveling, health and fitness, wildlife, and sustainability. Oh, I love it. Serena, we're so glad you're here. Louise, do you want to ask the winning question that we always love to ask our guests? <laughs> Well, I want to know more about you and your career journey. Like it's like it sounds like a crayon and a piece of paper. And like, how did you get from like there to here? Um, because it, it just sounds so fascinating. Um, and then to chronicle a book to talk about your journey. I love that too. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely crazy. I think that you know, just my family life alone was always so crazy growing up that people were always like, you're going to have to write a book about this one day. And I think it honestly just planted the seed when I was so young that that in itself probably could have been a book. And in fact, when I went to a writing retreat, the woman that I was learning under was like, well, you can't put these things together. Like it can't be a memoir and a business book. And I was like, well, you can't really have one without the other. It's like hearing Tony Robbins story. Like he is who he is because he had that troubled childhood. Like he had the issues with an abusive parent and you know, I went through a lot of things with my parents splitting when I was very young. My older brother died a year later in a really tragic accident. And then, you know, went back and forth among like my family from like my dad to my mom to my aunt and uncle and, you know, bounced around a lot. And I think what I learned was that I just couldn't necessarily depend on anyone for my future. Like I did have a roof over my head, you know, food in the fridge. Like it wasn't that kind of struggle, but emotionally, you know, when it came time to figure out school and paying for things, like I knew that I couldn't necessarily depend on someone for those kinds of things. So I was out there trying to get a job when I was 12 years old. I was, you know, by the time I was in university, I had three jobs, uh, you know, and that's what really led into my industry and events that I was, you know, someone referred me into it. One thing leads to another. And I met the woman that I ended up partnering with um, down the road by working part-time as a brand ambassador. She brought me in as a manager two weeks into the the business really starting, um, offered me partnership. And I was like, no, like, I'm going to be a journalist. <laughs> you know, that in itself, I was like, didn't realize it'd be so challenging. So I ended up taking partnership about six months later. And then she left the company four years in very unexpectedly. So I was at a crossroads where I had to decide, do I, do we walk away, like split what's in the bank and we go our separate ways? Do I buy her out, which is in the middle of the 2008 recession? Um, you know, I just, do I partner with someone? And ultimately I took the risk. So I bought her out, took a couple of years, and then I ran the business for an additional 14 years. Wow. That's phenomenal. And then, so how did you then translate that into real estate and, and real estate investing? Yeah. Um, so I had been winging it really for the first eight years and we were in a, a situation where we lost our biggest client, which is a huge telecom company. And I was like, you know what? I just, there's a lot I'm sure I don't know. Um, so I started interviewing different coaches and I hired a business coach for $1,200 a month for two meetings. 
And two of her biggest takeaways were to start really looking at our numbers and create a dashboard. And then the other thing was to put some of our retained earnings to use. So she's like, you know, most businesses operate on three months of operating costs. You have like 18 months. But I always looked at it like, no matter what, we can always pay for things. Like, you know, some clients take a long time to pay and, you know, at least we're always okay. And she's like, well, maybe leave yourself six months. And she really encouraged me to, to put that money to use. So I bought a rental property in Florida, actually. And that was my first, you know, real estate investment outside of my primary residence. And I ended up doubling that investment in about four years. Took that, took about a year off to try to decide what to do next. And then found an organization that teaches all different kinds of real estate investing strategies. Uh, bought two more pre-construction properties, got heavily into private lending and land development and supporting other things there. So it just, you know, one thing led to another and I started developing you know, forms of passive income. And then the year that um, I was pregnant with my daughter, I was actually able to cut my pay in half from the business based on all the passive income that I had. And then COVID happened. <laughs> so I stopped taking money from the business altogether. And I was able to ramp up all of the different investments that I had to the point that I've been living off them pretty much for the past four, four and a half years. So, um, you know, it was just able to, to diversify and, you know, it just balloons as soon as you start meeting people and networking with different people. Like now it just feels like this endless stream of opportunities. If I could invest in all of them, I would, <laughs> but um, just one thing kind of spiraled and led to another. So that's so phenomenal. What do you, what do you love about what you do? Well, I ended up signing up for a real estate license, I guess um, three months after COVID started because I was like, well, who knows how long this is going to go on for? Like, will there be a business to come back to at this point? Right. Like nobody knew what the future held. Um, but I think what I've always loved is just helping people. So whether it was, you know, planning an event or staffing it, I think it's knowing that you're helping people meet their goals. You know, I'm providing work opportunities for literally thousands of young people, oftentimes in university, but some stayed with us for, you know, 10 years at a time. So it could be work that they do on the weekend. So we're always providing these situations and opportunities to like help people. And then on this side, when you're working in real estate, like that's one of the biggest decisions that you'll ever make. So you're literally helping people with one of the biggest things they'll ever do in their entire lives. And then through that, I've been able to talk about some of the investing that I've done um, and things that they could take advantage of to help like supplement their income or for some people that are seniors, you know, they are on a fixed income. So how can they also, you know, leverage what they have in real estate to bring in some passive income and stuff like that. So it's been really nice to be able to just you know, pass along some of the wisdoms and learning that I have had and, and just help people in different ways. That's fantastic. Um, what have been some of the biggest challenges you've had as you've kind of weaved in and out of these different parts of your career? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, as we were growing, like you're always in this point of like, okay, well, we have all this business, now we got to hire. And then all of a sudden, like you hire all these people and then you need more business. And there's all those ebb and, ebbs and flows and stuff like that. Um, we were on a pretty solid trajectory from 2014 onwards, but there were still times where it's like you're booking big business, but then the margins are a bit lower and, and things like that. So I think it's always just that that balancing act, trying to make sure that you can cover things off. Um, you know, dealing with people is always challenging. So it felt like as we grew, you know, it's not that there was necessarily more situations on average, but, you know, the bigger you get, like there's going to be more things to deal with. So I think that's always been an ongoing um, challenge. And I think now that I've started a new career, it's almost like you're starting over. 
So what I found really interesting is that people almost disregard the fact that you ran your own business for 20 years. It's like, oh, you're a new realtor. Like you don't have the numbers and statistics to say like, well, I haven't sold as many houses as the person that's been doing this for 10 years, but you have all of these other things that are very complimentary. And, and honestly, like planning to list a property is very similar to planning an event, like how you set up your suppliers and your deadlines. And, you know, obviously you need to know your paperwork and there's some different things about it, but I found that that's, maybe been a little bit harder than I would have expected that people kind of look at it like I'm just coming out of university or something like that. So just starting completely from scratch is a bit of a, a weird <laughs> situation to be in. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of, um, you know, cause I, I talked to a lot of career pivoters, right. And that is, that is an obstacle. It's a barrier often to like, how do you, you know, you know what you're doing, right? Like you can see the parallels. You can see that that those tools in your toolbox that you had from, you know, previous lives, previous careers, like they all come with you. It's not like we empty out our toolbox every time. And yet there's that perception that you have started over, but you haven't. It's not, You didn't start from the bottom. You might not have the numbers that support your experience, but you started, you, when you jump ladders, you you jump ladders. You don't climb down and then climb back up, right? You jump yeah. across. Yeah. So it's been interesting. I would say it necessarily always matters, but sometimes if people were to say, well, how many listings do you have right now? Or, you know, tell me about all the other houses you've sold this year. Like you're obviously coming in from a different spot. So you mm -hmm. just try to, you know, position yourself in a certain way and focus on the positives and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I think I had a decent first year. I think I was very protective of my time. Um, you know, it was the first time in 20 years I haven't had events to worry about during the summer. So mm -hmm. as I got closer to last summer, I was like, you know what? My daughter's only going to be young once. I'm just going to like take this time with her because we're never going to have this time again. You know, so I was very grateful to have had the experience that I've had. And then now that it's New Year, it's kind of like time to pick up and, and get things going again. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting because I went from I've t I've done a lot of career pivots. Um, I the the big one that people were like, wait, what? And they're sitting there scratching their head was I went from being an attorney to being a nonprofit executive, specifically oh, on the wow. fundraising side. People yeah. were like, why would you do that? <laughs> for That's a lot of, of reasons. <laughs> and and well, you know, the thing that always fascinated me was this idea that being an attorney and having certain knowledge made me knowledgeable in everything that a nonprofit could need. Uh -huh. And I learned fairly quickly that I did know more than I expected that I knew, but it was, it was again, that thing. It's like, they looked at me one way and they couldn't see me in this other way. So they didn't see me as a strategic thinker. Mm -hmm. They saw me as a legal thinker. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no, but I'm, I'm both. Um, yes, I can look at something and understand the legalities of it and, and go yeah. through it that way. But I can also do this other type of strategic thinking that is in support here. Yeah. So, I, you know, it is interesting because we can learn skills. <laughs> and can't learn in most cases. <laughs> right. And, and yep. we can't learn experience. And what we take with us is the experience. And we get to then create this new knowledge base of our skills yeah. each time we yeah. change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. So for where I went in my mind, as I started thinking about that, I, and with what we're talking about today about authenticity, it's how do you authentically start to think about making shifts if that's what interests you, whether it's to a new role or to a completely new industry, like how do you show up as authentically you in these different situations? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really a lot about alignment. So when I think back to 
running my own business. There's a lot of things that were nice. Like I really love the fact that like, I love the office that we kind of developed for ourselves. And that was one thing, even after COVID started, I go there a couple mornings a week to study. And it's like, Oh, I just, you know, it was really hard to kind of walk away from that. Cause it was like the Testament to everything that you had built. And it was such a, an attachment to my identity in some ways, like, um, in many, many, um, it's just people looked at you in that way. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's very stressful. Like at the end of the day, if something's gone wrong with an event, like if someone has canceled in the middle of the night or in the morning, or if they've done something stupid while they're on site, like it's always going to come back to you as the business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, and I found it just crazy. The timelines that people wanted things on, like the more time passed, the crazier those timelines got. So it was very, very stressful. And it was very hard to have a really solid work-life balance, even as I developed my team and I had people to delegate to. And, you know, I was able to, you know, go on holidays without completely melting down or something like that. But at the same time, it's like, I've never got, I've never really gone on holidays without my laptop. You're never a hundred percent disconnected. You know, you're always checking your phone. And even now people are like, Oh, you reply so quickly. And it's just habitual at this point, having had my own business for 20 years that we landed a lot of business by being first in line to get a quote and by being like having that sense of urgency. And I feel like it was hard to just calm down, I guess. So now it's like for the first time in my life, I feel like that is more balanced and even taking on real estate clients. It's not like someone's going to call you at 10 o'clock at night and be like, I have to sell my house tomorrow. Or, <laughs> you know, the way that they would ask for stuff when it came to events and stuff like that, right? That people call us on hours notice. Um, so I think you can really plan around things a lot more effectively and it could still be a little rushed in some ways, but it's not like it's totally compromising everything. And, you know, now that I have a small child, I'm far more protective of my time. So I think that, you know, COVID was like a blessing in disguise in a lot of ways that it gave me time with her that I never would have had. Um, but I feel like all of that just played into like this authentic part of myself I never even knew existed. Mm. And I always had to like pull out of the woodwork or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. So what I'm hearing is, is learn through each of these phases is you're learning who you authentically are mm -hmm. and that that can change with time Absolutely. Um, and with, yeah. with, and with the um, seasons of your life almost, right? It's like exactly. acceptable to you now could be very different from what it would have been 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. It's not like we are born and here we go. This is who you are for the rest of your life. And yeah. you can't ever change that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. And that alignment piece, like that falls into like our values because our values change throughout our lives. So of course we change. Right. And, and then finding ways to express that, right. That's what really we're talking about being authentic is like, you are not just living your values, but you're expressing your values in a way. But like you said, that word alignment, right. Yeah. The inside aligns with the outside. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you're able to really step into that. Yeah. yeah. I even shared a post on social recently when it came time to New Year's to say, you know, I, I can look back at last year and say I actually didn't achieve the goals that I set out for myself for this year when it came time to like look at, say, how many sales I had or this or that. But I got something so much more. And that was honestly like having that time with my family. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just you can't even put a price tag on that per se. But it was just really interesting, like looking back on the year, I was kind of like, well, yeah, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And I'll get to this. But I was like, I have the whole rest of my life and the whole rest of my career to do all of these things. But, you know, this time is only going to be here for a very, very short period. So I think it's just um, being true to yourself. And, and that has to make sense for business, but it also has to make sense for you personally. 
Right. Well, and to be able to do that, it, it's, and we talked about this at the beginning for all three of us is to slow down, uh-huh. to not be an autopilot, right. Yeah. To, to not constantly be going, going, going without actually understanding what even path you're on. So slowing uh-huh. down, understanding, um, where you're headed. Yeah. Um, so that way, if you want to make a course correction, you can. Yeah. Um, so, and and therefore show up in the world the way that, you know, in alignment with your values, in alignment with, with what I call my devotions, like what is the most important thing to me in my life, things to me in my life and how do those things align with this? So, but I can't, I can't tell when I'm, when I'm on autopilot and time is just slipping away. Yeah. Yeah. And it was honestly, it it wasn't always easy because I feel like I've always been so used to go, go, go. Mm -hmm. It really almost took like this concerted effort to be like, okay, I'm not going to do some of these things. It's not like I shut it off completely, but I really had to just consciously be like, okay, I'm going to dial it back for this period of time and stuff like that. Cause my mind is always like very, very busy and stuff like that. And I think, um, you know, thankfully the decisions that I made from an investment perspective have given me that chance to do that because had I not done all these things, I would have been far more worried about work and, um, you know, bringing the money in that capacity, but you know, I was able to support my life in other ways. So it gave me that freedom to do so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes like this whole idea of being authentic, I hear this often where it's like, I just, I can't be authentic, right? Like I just can't, I, there's, well, well, people should on themselves, right? But I should be doing this. I need to appear this way. I need to show up in this manner. I need, right. And, and we kind of get trapped in this, um, this place where we feel like we can't, have our insides displayed on the outside. No one would understand or I, right. I, I can't be authentic in this, in this business. Uh-huh. Um, Cause I just wouldn't fly. Yeah. Um, so I want to hear Serena a little bit about like, has that come up for you where you feel like it's a crunchy time where I can't really live into my authenticity because maybe the world sees it a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think as a business owner, I felt like that, um, honestly, most often with my employees, because it, it sounds weird, but as close as you can ever get to them, it always felt like me against them. I know it sounds really horrible, but oftentimes even say, for example, someone's going to quit. Like it felt like everyone knew it, you know, months or weeks before I knew. Um, but when it came to how I was, it just felt like sometimes like if I was going to go on holidays, like, Oh, how are they going to look at this? I'm spending money doing this. So they'll think I have all this money. And the reality mm-hmm. was I actually use travel points to cover most of our holidays, like sometimes 90% of the cost of a holiday. So yes, it could look like, oh, I'm going away again, but I'm covering that cost with points. I'm being strategic with it. I'm also bringing my laptop. It's unusual that I would ever go a day without working when I'm on holidays. And in fact, sometimes my husband would be like, your laptop's like a magnet. Like we'd come in and I'd immediately sit down for two hours. So it's not like when they're on holidays and they're <laughs> off for like a week straight or two weeks straight, right? So I often felt like I was worried about the optics of things that I was doing, whether I was buying a new house or we were renovating or, you know, the time that we were spending, like we had a cottage to go to, but it was my mother-in-law's cottage. It wasn't ours, but I feel like I was always worried about maybe how they perceived things. Um, Just sounds a little strange maybe, but I felt like I was always very careful about certain things or the way that I'd say certain things because I just you know, I feel like I I never wanted to rock the boat with them and stuff like that. I feel like with a lot of clients, I could be more open, but now it's almost like for the first time in this last year, like I have been on a lot of podcasts. I'm talking to people about all these different opportunities that the mainstream person probably has no idea about. 
And it's just something that it's helped me and it's changed my life to the point like I feel like I have to talk about it. <laughs> but it's like for the first time, I don't have to worry about what maybe like someone working for me might think. You know what I mean? So I'm able to talk more openly about these opportunities and things that are, are kind of going on and things that I'm passionate about and invested in and, and things like that. Yeah. Well, it seems to just create a lot more flow and ease, right? Mm -hmm. When when you are able to just like not worry about the optics, like you said, um, I love that because we can get trapped in that, right? Like that, that perception or what we need to be putting out. Um, and really, it's not about that. It's 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 about something different. And the more authentic, and I've seen this uh, so often in in the leaders that I coach, is actually the more authentic they are, the more transparent they can be about who they are and how they show up. Mm -hmm. All kinds of things just seem to like ripple effect, right? Yeah. Um, your influence, your impact, um, all of that starts to change. Your confidence and and how people start to see you. And it's not like Hey, who's this right crazy person, or what is what is she up to? Yeah. But it's more about like, holy smokes, like that person does that, and meanwhile, does all of these things too, or mm. right? And so it does become, um, it, it can become a balancing act. But I think once you kind of like just not worry so much about what others are perceiving, that's a story that we just yeah. get caught up in. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's well, natural to feel like that. <laughs> absolutely. Well, and we because we forget that the other person we're talking to, or the or the entire team that is reporting to us, mm -hmm. they forget we are, and we forget they are humans, mm -hmm. and we're all in this human experience together, mm -hmm. right? And and it it is so hard. I, I primarily work with entrepreneurs, business owners. Yeah. Um, they there is that fear of well, if I show up fully as me, they're not going to see me as the leader that I am. Yeah. It's like, well, no, but they will. Yeah. They'll just see a different side of you as a leader. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I love that idea of transparency. And I just want to add that word vulnerability in there as well, because it can yeah. feel very vulnerable to bring ourselves fully to the table. Yeah. Now we don't have to bring all of our baggage with us. But we can definitely be more vulnerable with our team yeah. members, with with yeah. our bosses, with, you know, with the people that we're working with. Yeah. Um, and I think that that aids in our authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, when I had my team, I would establish like one on one meetings with them every week. And sometimes I just wanted it to be like that opportunity that if there was anything on their mind or something they wanted to talk about, whether it's to do with business or personal, whatever it may be. And oftentimes I found that they just weren't willing to to talk about anything. So then I started setting up questions and trying to put themes around it. And even then I, I felt like it was like pulling teeth sometimes, like maybe that they felt like they couldn't or they shouldn't. Um, and sometimes they could even say something in a meeting and then three days later, something totally different comes about or contradicts like what they've said in that meeting. So I, I found that, you know, I, I did try, um, you know, it could have been the age group of people that I had working with me. They're all primarily in their you know, mid to late twenties, early thirties and stuff like that at the time. And, you know, I, I did think that that was important to try to build rapport and get to the heart of like what they really wanted in the career and like what they wanted to be doing and, and things like that. But I found it to be a struggle. So I think it could be on both sides, um, but so it's not for lack of trying, like I did try. <laughs> but. Yeah. Well, and, and I think you bring up a really good point because right. When we are in a leadership capacity and even if we're not, how do we help others 
bring their most authentic self forward? How do we show them that there's safety in that? Yeah. Because I think that safety is, is key here because if we fear that, Oh, if you know that I like playing Dungeons and Dragons, or if you know that, right, I, I, go out to the clubs every night, or if you know that my spouse and I are having problems, or if you know that I'm bankrupt, like whatever those things are that they're afraid to bring yeah. to the table, uh, or that I feel like an imposter in my job. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge one is you yeah. can't even know that I feel like an imposter doing what I'm being paid to do. Well, I mean, I even felt like the imposter. And the funny thing is when we were starting in the business, it, we were so young mm-hmm. that we actually gave ourselves like account manager titles, like on our business cards and stuff like that. Eventually it became like account director. And one of my mentors I had along the way is like, why do you have an account director title like on your business card? Like at this point, we were 10 years into it. And he's like, you should have like president or CEO or something. But because I was so young, I just always felt like, like, yes, I am. But no one's going to take me seriously if I walk into this meeting, if I have that. So it's almost better to walk in as an account manager. And they think we're part of this bigger organization. And, um, you know, that was kind of our take on it. And he's like, no, you have to change this. Like at this point, you're not just two years in, like you're 10 years in, you are getting a bit older. And he kind of forced me to, to make that change. But it took time to even like accept it myself. Like I knew that to be true. But at the same time, you're like, oh, but what about everyone else? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it fascinates me how we are so afraid, right? How we just walk around and, and it's, it's funny because you're talking about being younger with that title. I, I work with people who are in their forties, fifties and sixties who are like, I can't call myself the president of this company. I'm like, <laughs> but you are Yeah. You're like, well, but that's ostentatious. Yeah. No, it's reality. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You really are the president yeah. of this company. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a, definitely a, a bit of a strange thing. I, I do think looking back, it probably benefited us to some point based on our age and the meetings that we were having and stuff like that. But obviously it's just having that transition. And I remember when I did, someone sent me like a congratulations on LinkedIn be like, wow, that's quite the promotion. <laughs> like, right? Yes, it you know, was. The, the feedback from people and all of that, right? So. Yeah. And, and owning that, I think is also, you know, we're talking about authenticity is, is there's the ownership. So we've talked about transparency, vulnerability. Um, I think there's ownership in, in for ourselves. Like how do we own who we are, what we do, right? What's important to us? How do we own that for ourselves? Um, what else comes up for the two of you in terms of like what, what's important if we're going to cultivate for ourselves and to help others cultivate this idea of authenticity? I don't want people to confuse like authenticity with like being an asshole. Lack of discretion. Right. And so that can happen sometimes, right? And it's like, well, no, like that's this is really who I am and and I'm right, like I'm this big jerk walking around or whatever that is. And it's like, but I'm just being authentic, I'm just being me. And it's like I think right like that this is that's not what we're talking about um right you don't respect people exactly (laughs) and and there's this i I think there's like this we kind of talked around it a little bit and um it's kind of this making sure it's all like ecologically friendly right like that that when i'm authentic i'm not stepping on anyone i'm not hurting anyone else i'm not leaving my footprint in the forest um because i'm showing up in a certain way right we're talking about when we talk about alignments and and insides and outsides we're also talking about like our outsides or other people's outsides too right yeah so that that um shared environment 
really when yeah. you're talking about ec ecological friendliness. Um, it's so funny because when you said that about not being an asshole, um, amen. Like if that's, if that is genuinely who you feel you are, if you feel like you are an asshole, then, uh, then I guess be yourself, but own that you're an asshole. Like, or maybe we people know you are already. <laughs> give people a disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like, I think the reality is if, if pe I don't want to think that somebody's an asshole and they're not. Yeah. If you're showing up as an asshole, like if that's who you are, yeah, fine. Then I know that that's who you are. And it's, it is funny because um, Kim Scott's book, uh, Radical Candor came out and that became the rallying call for assholes to be like, mm -hmm. I'm just being radically candid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. This yeah. is not a reason to do that. Authenticity is about showing up those parts of us that we keep hidden because we feel like imposters, because we're afraid that if we do something, there's going to be some sort of ramification. Yeah. And so what we're really talking about is how do you step into this place, this shared environment that Louise was just talking about, as much as yourself as possible so you don't feel afraid and the other person can meet you as, as another human. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's also having that expectation outlined. Like one of the, you know, tasks that I had when I first had a business coach was to outline our company values and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we actually find that, you know, from one company to the next, usually people will stick there because their values are in alignment. So they can probably be authentic to a certain point. So, you know, communication and passion, and there was this whole list of stuff. And it was all the stuff that you can see, like why you work well, maybe with one person or one client over another. And as an example, like how quick we are to communicate. And we'd find that we would just lose our minds when you're working with a client that can take a week to respond on something you really need or a staff member or something like that. So you'd start to give preference and priority to the people that do communicate in the same way that you do and have respect for your time in the same way and stuff like that, as opposed to the people that seem flaky or they kind of wishy-washy and come in and out and stuff like that. So you start to establish the people that you work well with together, whether it's a client or a staff member or a colleague or something like that. So they're to the point we even had the values like on our boardroom wall, <laughs> like just as that constant reminder of what we're all about and the things that were important to us and stuff like that. And I found that whenever we would get frustrated is, you know, whenever what there was a values misalignment or something mm -hmm. like that. For sure. Well, you're using one of Louise's favorite. I, I love values too and do a lot of values work with my clients, but Louise is like, values. Yeah. <laughs> we just don't spend enough time, right? On on defining what that is for ourselves. Like we all know we have values, yeah. right? Like some are are inherent to who we are, but we just don't take enough time to 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 put it down on paper, to really look at it um and to actually use it as a tool, right? Mm -hmm. Like like you said, like businesses use it as a tool to yeah. make sure they're moving in the right direction. Mm -hmm. As humans, as people, we can use that as a tool too through yeah. your career pivot, your change. If you if you if you feel like right, you talk about being in alignment with 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 your people, with your clients. Like if I don't know as an employee what my values are, and I'm having a crappy time at work, and I'm frustrated constantly. Well, like let's check yourself, right? Like let's find out your values and and where are you bumping up against the guardrails as you're moving forward. Um, we just don't spend enough time talking about that because we're just, we're very flippant. Well, yeah, of course I have values, right? Like, yeah, yeah I'm a decent human. Like, but I yeah. think the sign that like you're not meshing properly is when you are frustrated, when you are stressful, mm -hmm. like 
that, right? Yeah. You where there's things that aren't connecting properly. Uh, and the same could be said about family and relationships and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And you're constantly getting frustrated with the same thing, then, you know, yeah. it's probably a good example of what's happening. Right. Well, and it's true in any relationship because we have those relationships with human beings. We have those relationships with businesses. We have those relationships with, you know, food and sex and money and, you know, drugs and nothing. like we, we, we use these things to kind of fix other parts of our relationships mm -hmm. instead of, and so therefore we now have a new relationship that has to be managed. And so it, it, when we do right size ourselves or, or put ourselves back on the path where we do know our values, we know what we're most devoted to in the world, then we have our GPS that we can move forward. We can set our intentions to show up around those things and therefore be our most authentic selves. And yeah. so while it is a buzzword out there, right, be your most authentic self, there's actually some, some truth behind it in that right, it's going to reduce our stress. We're going to be able to show up more happy, more happy in our work, in our, in our lives. We're going to choose relationships that are healthy for us because we're we're in alignment. And so it's it's interesting to me that we keep coming back to this idea of alignment and authenticity. Yeah, I mean, you just can't have one without the other. No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to know on that point, like, what are our takeaways from today's conversation? What are our golden nuggets? Yeah, I guess I think uh, one thing I'd heard, I think it was like Dr. Phil, honestly, but he just says, you know, once you acknowledge something, you can change it. So I think acknowledging what's important to you and, you know, what it takes for you to be your best self and what those values mean for you, you can be more aware of what you need from the people that are in your lives and what you need maybe from your career or for the position that you're in and stuff like that. But if you're just kind of like walking into it blindly, you could find yourself in a, a company that you don't want to be a part of or working in a job that you're not comfortable with or something like that. And, you know, even as a, a realtor, you know, a big thing for us is that we're bound by the code of ethics. And sometimes I, I'm always surprised to hear realtors get such a bad rap for being like greasy salespeople or this or that. And, you know, I just think it undermines everything that the profession is supposed to stand for, which is really like looking out for a client's best interests, whatever that may be. Right. So I just, um, you know, for me, I, I believe that you have to help people in whatever capacity that is. And if that means like, maybe they want this today, but, six months from now is better for them. Like you're just patient until that time is better. Right. You don't try to talk them into something that isn't going to work for their family or their finances or something like that. And, you know, I think you just have to instill in yourself what, what matters most to you and then live your life according to that. Yeah. I love that code of ethics. It's almost like our time together today, we were talking about like your code of authentic you like your code your code of mm -hmm. authenticity right it is uh, like a genetic code almost and and how are you putting that out into the world mm -hmm. right and serena like through the, our whole time together today um you just being so authentic and sharing right um your journey and and how you got to where you are and all of those things right and and living those values right making sure you were in alignment and that was the first thing you said um when we talked today was that alignment. And I just think that that was our thread throughout our whole conversation today. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I just love that. I love that whole idea of like your, your code of like authentic you or whatever that looks like. I'm not wordsmithy today. <laughs> <laughs> we all understand. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the idea of this code of authenticity um, and what I, what to take it kind of a step further, right? Because we were talking about alignment and authenticity and I couldn't agree with you more, Louise, just Serena, what you've shared today, clearly being in alignment for yourself, but then also just showing up so authentically on this podcast, but also just in the world with the work that you're doing, with the book that you've written and what you're sharing um, and how you're sharing it with your clients. The, this code that we're talking about, this code of authenticity is for us and it's for us to help support other people find their code of authenticity, right? Yeah. So we talked about some of those tools of using transparency and vulnerability and ownership and, and this shared ecosystem that we're in um, so that we can start to develop these codes for ourselves, but we can share our code with others yeah. to encourage them to be their most authentic selves as well. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful conversation. Serena, where can people find you? We do have all the links and all the places, but uh, do you want to just kind of share um, where people can find you? And if you have anything that you want um, to let people know about. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for anything related to my book and, you know, now that I'm a year and a half, I guess, since it's come out almost, um, now I share things more regarding like inspiration and motivation and other things. Um, but I have some Instagram, an Instagram handle at uh, Serena Holmes author. And then for everything pertaining to real estate, and I don't just focus on like listings, it's literally anything and everything to do with the home. Um, so, you know, home is where we eat, sleep, relax, and play. So you can often see things focused around that, along with all the, the stats and news and stuff like that at Serena Homes Realtor. Fantastic. And again, that's, I always point the wrong way, but it's wherever the text is yeah. on this. It's pretty much the same across all social platforms. I know, it's usually down below, but if you're also listening, I don't know where it is on your listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in the notes, it's yeah. in the notes. Um, so we are excited. Um, next week, we are going to, was that Charlie? Yeah, he just woke up. <gasps> Charlie, you're late today. Charlie's not here. <laughs> Oh, is that your daughter's name? That's no, no, no. <laughs> no. I just heard the sounds in the background. Oh, <laughs> oh it's Charlie. Charlie is Louise's cat. Oh. It's actually not Louise's cat. It's Louise's dog's cat. Yeah. So, um, all yeah, right. So he's go. gonna he's gonna join us while I talk about what we're talking about next week. Hi, Charlie. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about creating a plan to move forward. We're going to be joined by our guest, Sabrina Lindner, and that will be Friday, January 12th at our normal time, 2 p.m. Eastern. Figure out your time zone from there. Um, and if you are interested in joining and having more conversations like this and actually being a part of them, join us over on The Collective at yourkickasscareer.com because we would love to have you as part of a juicy conversation. Okay. Thank you for having me. Thanks Thank so much, you. Serena. Thank you so much, Serena. We're so glad you were here. And for those of us, those of us, Lordy, those of you listening, <laughs> we're so glad that you were here too and that you decided to spend about a 45-minute time to join us for another kick-ass conversation. Um, all right. Any last words? No. No? All right. <laughs> all right. Take care. Thank all you. Right. Bye, everyone. You're welcome. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.